When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello and welcome to Working, a podcast about what people do all day. I'm David Plotz. What is your name and what do you do? My name's Andrew Rubin uh, and I'm the principal of Kip Academy Middle School in Houston, Texas. It's a a fifth through eighth grade middle school, about 100 kids in every grade level. So there are 400 kids. You know, I was the kind of corny thing I say to kids and families, but it's true. And my number one job is to keep them safe. And then the number kind of two, three, four jobs, some kind of changing around is just to help make sure that they are prepared to be successful in high school and especially successful enough in college, completing college, but then also trying to just make sure that they're becoming good people. And then also trying to make sure that they're enjoying themselves um, and are are motivated to be coming to school and kind of having fun while they're they're there. I think most of our listeners probably know what KIPP is, but just give us like the the 15 second summary of what KIPP school is and how it's distinctive from some other kind of school. Um, KIPP is a a public charter program. So all KIPP schools are public schools. I'm paid by the state of Texas um, and they're designed for low income students and they're trying to close an achievement gap by having extra time, longer school days and longer school year and just trying to do whatever else it takes to help these kids who usually don't go to college complete college. So what is the first thing you do on a typical Monday during the school year? Every day when I get to school, uh, we have a breezeway in our in our in our in our building, and it echoes music fantastically. So the first thing that I do is I um, is I play music. Uh, I have like these these like awesome Bose portable speakers, um, and I hook it up to Spotify, which was also revolutionary because for a little while I was buying music on iTunes, which is not sustainable. Um, and I and I blast music through the uh, through the breezeway, and I try to make it thematic. Although now that I'm a couple years in. It's getting tough to like come up with new themes and new songs. I sometimes I go to my go like my go to like the real winner is like the Lion King, uh, and then there are a couple of other just like go to things that like everyone who walks through the Brighton Breezeway. So so what would be a theme that you and and the music that went with the theme? 
Uh, one theme might be there would be like a diva theme, right? So like the diva theme, I probably would I probably would want to start and end on like particularly kind of strong notes. Keep in mind, I'm trying to like satisfy both teacher and student interests. So like on the front end would be Madonna probably, or, um, and then on the back end of that would be Lady Gaga, and somewhere in the middle um, would be you know like Beyonce and uh, and yeah. So that would be my, that would be my diva week. How long does that go on, and what's the purpose of that? Uh, homeroom starts at seven thirty, and I try to get the music going on a good day, like at at seven or maybe even a little earlier. It partly just the feel of that breezeway when that music is playing. It feels a lot different than when it's not playing. When it is playing, it just has a feeling of like it just adds an energy, which like I as again, it's kind of corny to say, but like it is, it's an energy that just makes it feel like your your day as like a little bit more like you got a little more pep in your step, and it doesn't feel like you're kind of on this like slow like painful march to your first class it just kind of feels like it's a more fun place to be and so it is a, that is one of the reasons why i like to start the day that way for everyone so you've put the music on what what generally what are what are your other routines of the early part of the day um, in the morning, I try to schedule all my parent conferences um, before or after school. It's just easiest to say, like, anytime anyone says we need a parent conference, just like before or after school. And sadly, usually if I'm meeting with them, there's some kind of a problem. Either they've asked to meet with me for some reason or uh, or I'm at, I've asked to meet with them um, often for behavioral just issues. Their child has just done something, you know, they just said something incredibly mean to another student or they uh, were cheating on a test um, or they've kissed someone <laughs> that's like a pretty common one is that they kissed another middle school student which they're not allowed to do um and uh or in some cases they've kissed another middle school student and then kissed another and then kissed another and so you can kind of see how so those are the meetings that i often have actually in the morning and then also in the afternoon right our, our day ends at five at, well our day ended and uh at 5 p.m it'll change this upcoming year if a kid has kissed someone let me let's just play let's role play this i'm the parent i've come in and um, my my son has been has kissed a couple of girls, whether or not they wanted it, I don't even know. But he wasn't supposed to do that. So, what's going to happen? Thank you so much for coming in, Mr. Potts. I know it's difficult for you to I know it's difficult for you to come here on a work day. As you know, at our school, we don't allow any students to be kissing any other students. I'll name uh, say Marcus Swidger. So, did Marcus tell you? Did Marcus tell you why we're here? No. Same. Okay. Um, well, yesterday afternoon at five o'clock after dismissal, um, one of our teachers saw Marcus kissing another student. Uh, you know, the kissing isn't doesn't follow our rules. So, um, have you had any idea? Um, and so, actually, I, I, you and I would be talking one on one. I would not have the student in the meeting um, in the first place because from here you would usually either be angry at me or you would be embarrassed, right? And that would start to start to become clear. And so kind of depending on which one are you, which one do you want to be right now? Are you there? I'm, I'm, he's just a boy. I mean, what's wrong kissing a girl? That's, that's what boys do. That's, that's a stupid rule. Uh, I understand. And I, and I, as I often tell the students, I was a middle schooler at one point as well. Um, and so I know that that is part, just part of life. At the same time, there are rules that, that, that you've committed to and that the student is committed to. And those are rules that we, that we follow up consistently with every single time. And so the consequences that we've given to students in the past are going to be the same consequences that we're giving. Like, so we have to talk about consequences for your child now. Okay, so you've had your parent meetings. Then, from what I understand, based on principles of my experience, the principals don't do anything else until you get out of school. But I, Probably as a principal, it feels slightly different. But so what is it that you're doing after you've had those meetings with parents? I, there are different types of principals, right, who kind of are good at different things. So, like, I am a teacher who became a principal somewhat begrudgingly. Like, I I would prefer to be teaching in a lot of ways, but I just feel like I'm probably a little better at this job than when I was a full-time teacher. But I teach two classes. I teach an eighth-grade science class. 
so at 9.20, um, like it's impossible to schedule anything with me at 9.20 because I have a class with eighth graders every day at 9.20. Um, and then I also, I also teach, a, I was teaching a digital film elective. So those are, that's every day. So that's part of my day is actually just teaching. And that's, again, that's something that's really, I'm really fortunate because I'm only able to do that because we have veteran staff who are able to make a lot of the small decisions that principals or assistant principals might be making in other schools. Uh, a decision might be, I mean, partly like, the, like what we were saying when someone just re- responded to misbehavior and like that a, a student is making some bad choices and instead of saying, all right, call Mr. Rubin and have him come, they're just handling it on the spot. They're able to get that student from, you know, the point of not being very functional at that moment to being successful, you know, like a, and, and moving on. So that's part of my day. Um, and then a big chunk of the rest of my day is going to other classrooms and seeing other teachers teach, talking to them about their teaching, looking at assessments with them, looking at data from their classes and trying to figure out, you know, and how, how things are going. Talk about a, a particular kind of classroom you might approach. What would you be looking at? What would you be talking to the teacher about and what would result from that? So when I go into the fifth grade, uh, fifth grade social studies classroom, I would try to get there towards the beginning of class because one thing that we are really looking at now is like how are you opening up an instructional experience in a way that is connecting and then also just like kind of giving a, this kind of smooth on-ramp into the new things that they're going to be learning. And then, um, and then I would also just be honest, it's looking over shoulders of a bunch of kids, talking to them about the things that they're learning. Um, depending on, you know, maybe actually I would have some, doc- like, have some like shared documents, like, like Google documents that both the teacher and I would have would be able to access where I'd sometimes would just be writing down the things that the students are saying they're learning um, which then we can go back to and look later on and saying like you know these are this is great because look at what the kids look at all these like meaningful things the kids were saying when I asked them why they're learning this or sometimes like look at the confusion (laughs) that the students are showing when they ask them why they're learning something that they're learning Um, and then we're able to use that to adjust for the next day or the next class period depending on when I'm able to talk to the teacher about it. This is something different than a formal assessment of a teacher. This is different from that. And I, I, it is not so much my style to be really to be getting into a lot of like particularly formal, formal assessments where I'm trying to give numbers or grades to, to teachers. Um, so, yeah, this is a, this is more this is more formative. Right. This is more of an ongoing conversation. This is genuinely what I strive for with every single teacher and every single just adult, um, you know, in our in our building where we're having ongoing conversations about how things are going. But ideally, there's a relationship there with a the teacher where they know that when they know I have a sense of what my job is. My job is to generally help them, but also to hold them accountable and to give them feedback. But I'm doing it because I care, and it's and I'm going to do it in a way that's generally going to be as helpful as possible. And it's never going to be a gotcha kind of thing, and it's never going to be used against them somewhere else. And then that's where just the time is so important of doing that month after month, year after year, because they've seen well, like for years, there's never been a gotcha, so there's not going to be a gotcha now. You teach, you go into classrooms. What are what are other major tasks of the of the day. I mean, that, that is so going to classrooms and then meet, I mean, meeting, right. Meeting with like, cause meeting with teachers, but also meeting with the social worker and meeting with our office staff and, and then just meeting with kids, like meeting with our, try, hopefully if I can't, I, I haven't done this as much. We have a student government, we have a student president, hopefully I'm meeting with them and trying to give them as many like kicks in the butt as possible to like make legislation about changes that they think can be made in the school. And then sometimes just the talking, you know, this, what's a, like kind of a level below the parent conversation is just like a teacher just mentioned to me that a student had been, you know, making a series of bad choices and just grabbing that student, talking with them for 10 minutes. This, a lot of that will happen, particularly during that lunch time. I, mean, I spend a lot of my shameful amount of my time at work checking in with my wife, web surfing, just generally, I mean, I can call it research for the purpose of Slate, but really it's like personal. Do you get any of that? Or is it, is this a job which once you're in the building, you are fully in the building and there's nothing else? 
sometimes I'll like just check the New York Times page. <laughs> That'll be like two minutes. Uh, so yeah, it's really not much. It's, and the answer question is pretty much no. I mean, it's maybe five, maybe five to 10 minutes um, through the course of a day. Um, but it's, yeah, it's not, there's just always a lot of things. There's just always things that, and then depending on the, the parts of the school year, you know, as you get closer to state tests, like that much more of my time is spent just like grabbing this group of six students and tutoring. And that is something else that happens on a regular basis. That also, that's part of our whole instructional and assessment is, um, like platform, uh, grade book platform is built on the idea of being able to grab kids and tutor. And if they've done better in that standard, to give them that score and credit for that right away. So do you spend a lot of time looking at the tests, looking at the results, you know, changing the changing your students scores so that they you know cheating cheating the system so that your students look better things like that what how do you relate to it and how, how does it affect your daily work um to be clear i spend zero amount of time cheating the system but it affects my daily work a lot and when i say test two i mean i mean we do a couple of uh, we yes we have a state of texas assessment of academic readiness the new like the new state tests um we also have something called a map test which is a computerized test that's kind of adaptive to kids and then we just have reading tests we give fluency tests so that, when i say tests i really mean all of those things that we tend to try to trying to be looking at all of those different data points and they often correlate um but we at our school are fortunate enough to not be slaves to the state tests Admittedly, though, as you get to something like an end of your eighth grade science test or a social studies test where there's then it comes into the kind of like high school, college. And that's how we package it. It's like, look, this is you're going to have to cram. That's what this is what you're going to do in high school. This is what you're going to do in college. But at the same time, as much as we wish that they would take the initiative on their own, we're often grabbing them. And, and so, yeah, I, I get pretty high stress, again, more from like the teacher perspective of the, of the, of the classes that I'm owning more. Um, where I just kind of become a little bit obsessive about it. And then, you know, then they take the tests and then you kind of look back on the last three weeks and you're like, why did I just obsess that much about it? But then generally our kids do pretty well on it. Do you have children? I do not have any children. Do you take work home after you, after you leave at 6.30 or 6.45? What do you have to do at night? Probably the four or five things that I'm most, most often doing. Returning parent phone calls. I'm not very good about returning phone calls in general, so I try to maybe returning parent phone calls. Grading papers is very difficult to do in the course of a school day. Um, I think it would be setting a good example if I just sat in my desk in the hallway and graded papers, um, but it's very difficult to do that. Do you have any responsibilities as a kind of businessman where you're like, oh, I need to control expenses or I, you know, I'm going to pay this teacher more because she's more valuable or in what sense are you a business leader of your school yeah i do i do manage our budget that's a all spring kind of march through may i'm like manipulating our budget in different ways in anticipation of the you know planning for the following year and then all throughout the year i'm making decisions about buying stuff for our school now we, you know we have about two million dollars as a school like i'm managing around two million dollars like the huge caveat to that is that over 90% of that is in salary um, to our employees. Uh, we've been trying to find different ways to just to, as everyone is right. Just the, just the right way to be doing some bonus pay, but without, without there being some systems that just put money over everything else. We don't even have that much money to be able to execute that like, too, very well. It's really hard to individualize and differentiate lessons. It's just time. It's sometimes it's twice as much time because you're trying to pre- basically prepare things for kid, you know, kids who are at a high read at this like higher level of readiness and a lower level of readiness. So if kids, if teachers are going to put in twice as much time over the course of a quarter, you know, we want to incentivize that. That's really the extent of the kind of like personnel decisions besides the, the point in the year where I just 
do everything I can to make sure that we're giving kind of the best raises possible. And that's, that's usually just a kind of crude calculation of like, this is how much I can get away with raising our salaries. Like I have, I mean, our, our board will, will, will like, we'll look it over and, and stamp it. But, um, I have basically a hundred percent discretion over all of those decisions, but also like, you know, can we, do we have the money to buy these other computers or, or should we be using that towards books or are we even buying, you know, like, and just all of those things. Um, and not, not leaving money on the table is actually part of it that, that can kind of get that we may, may not have, you know, for the following year. So do you have a boss? I do. I have a boss. The title is called a head of schools and he is basically the boss of like six principals in my, in like my kind of side of Houston. How often do you talk to him? We, we meet weekly um, and then kind of we don't often like need his help on a lot of things. Like sometimes, you know, people are like, well, I'm, I'm going to talk to your boss or I'm going to talk to the superintendent like that. That's happened once um, this past year. And uh, so we don't really need kind of for that backup, although I know he's there, which is a really key part of his job is just knowing that, you know, he'd, he'd back me up. And then, you know, our, our results are pretty strong. And so that's another area where, I mean, he trusts that he knows that we're doing. He knows that I, like, kind of over-obsess about some of these things. So I think he knows he, just, he doesn't have to be coming in and trying to raise the urgency. He knows that I'm, that I'm on it. So is there anything outrageous or unusual that you do to get the kids' attention or to – I'm not sure what. Just to, to, Is there anything outrageous or unusual that you do? I think it's important to break out of the stereotype as much as possible. If you know, if the typical stereotype is I see the principal when he when I'm in trouble, uh, I try to again like to have as many just to do as many things big and small to to make it not make that not be my persona. Um, so uh, the more outrageous ones recently have involved a chicken suit that I was able to get for free from someone else who worked in Kip Houston Public Schools. There was a 5K that they had organized and they were trying to get kids out, and we were supposed to try to get them pumped up. And so I told the kids that they could vote on my costume that I would wear to run the 5k if they came so the kids who came voted on a chicken suit so I, I, I wore and ran my uh, in my chicken suit at the 5k and then I resurrected the chicken suit um, we go ice skating every year that's like a reward trip so um, I wasn't sure if it'd work out but it did I was able to wear my chicken suit and ice skate <laughs> ice skate around the uh, for like 20 30 minutes what does that accomplish when you do that uh, that's a good question. It might be accomplishing more to, in my in my mind than for them. I, you know, I, I think it depends on their age too, right? Eighth graders, whom I know a little more, they kind of just think it's funny. And again, I ho- hopefully it breaks out when they see me. It's not like, oh crap, like don't get in trouble, Mister Rubens walking by. Hopefully they see me and they're like, that's the guy in a chicken suit. Or hopefully they're thinking of a lot of experiences when they see me. But they're not just thinking about the negative, kind of potentially scary things that they might be talking to me about just allows me to have to have a wider range of experiences with the fifth and sixth graders it gets them a little bit more it's a little bit easier to kind of like they're you know just more playful and um and more kind of like fun loving in general so with them they really kind of like they get excited about it they like they talk about it when when they like next see me and they're generally laughing about it and it really helps to kind of build up a persona among them where they may not see me often but they think of me in this more kind of like positive celebrity like kind of status as opposed to like again you know oh uh-oh, like quiet down like scary principals walking by what do uh civilians what do your you know your parents your your friends not get about principaling i went out um after i think it was the graduation of our high school and i met up with um friends like pretty late um it was after some kind of school thing that i had to do and i got and and went pretty late to a um to meet up and but i was like at, while i was with them i started getting text messages from our our social worker who was going to the hospital because one of our students 
who had had a lot of psychological issues in the last couple of months, including like, you know, from voice, like hearing, like some really serious stuff. And she kind of was, went to another level. And, and so literally like, I mean, these are, these are friends that friends are sitting and laughing and drinking wine or whatever. And then I'm getting these text messages from this, like, just, just true, like blessing of a woman who like, she's in the hospital, like she's literally sitting in like the, you know, with the parents in the hospital trying to like you know just trying to serve a role and like she and i it doesn't make sense for me to get up and go right there's no reason why why i should do that but at the same time like i'm trying to like show that i'm supportive of her and like i'm not just totally like well good luck with that and doing other things but at the same time like it's 10 o'clock at night and it's like time to kind of try to disconnect and um and have somewhat of a life and so i think that even in that moment there was a moment where i just because i kept having the text and so i felt bad about that too because it looked like i'm just like not you know committed to being there um, and I think one point they asked about what was going on and I just quickly told them and there was this little look where it's like, whoa, you deal with some pretty serious stuff. And it's like, yeah, like and and I'm not I mean, that is extreme. But I mean, there are just there's just some really upsetting things that can happen. Right. When you're working with like 400 you know, mostly low income students. Um, and so just kind of realizing the depth of some of those things that they might be kind of coming across on like an, on a typical day. It's, it's, it's some pretty heavy stuff that's going on. So I think, in, I think in those kind of moments, I think people get it. Like, I'm not saying they don't appreciate it. And certainly my parents and wife and close friends, they all like appreciate it. And they also appreciate that I'm just not the kind of person that talk, wants to really talk a lot about it. But at the same time, sometimes I wonder that it's like, do people have a clear sense of that uh, from the, my job? Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. This is the last episode of the Working Podcast series. If you want to listen to the entire series or to any of the 17 episodes in the series, go to slate.com slash working podcast.